0: How do you do, fellow kids, and welcome to Reskinned. A weekly episodic discussion of the star-studded, star-studded and scandalous,
1: scandalous teen drama phenomenon of the late 2000s, Skins. Skins. This week, we'll be
0: talking about episode three of series one, Jow. Jowl. 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 <laughs> Jowl. <laughs> uh, written by Brian Elsley and directed by Adam Smith. This week, because I uh, couldn't get it together to go to the shop and buy booze for this episode, Um, Our signature drinks are going to be very, in keeping with the theme, sort of like the things you'd drink when you were younger. Uh We've got a little tour of vodka that's left over from some vodka we bought from the newsagents ages ago, Uh so we'll have a bit of that.
1: That, I mean, to be fair, vodka, Uh vodka and coke was my go-to teenage
0: drink. Mine too. It's a pound of drink when you went out of Newcastle. Um, And we've also got some, is this brandy? Yeah your mum bought on holiday is that right? She did indeed In and whereabouts, she, was she smuggled Whoa, over this is very, very very I mean, yeah. potent <laughs> um, so yeah we've got a little bit of mum holiday brandy as well so would you like to have a little snifter of that? Why a not bit of that? there we go Fragrance. Delicious. <gasps> oh, oh, it's like paint. Wow, that's not very nice. Um, okay, so we are talking about Zhao, played by Larissa Wilson, mm-hmm. who I think is excellent, actually, in this. And I don't know what else she's been in since she was in Skins, but I do think she's very, very good. Well, I quickly consulted the the wonder that
1: is Wikipedia, oh. the oracle and discovered that Larissa Wilson plays a role in BBC Sound's podcast Murmurs Um, so
0: fellow podcaster Larissa, hello (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant Uh, written by Janina Mathewson Murmurs, very good, check it out so, shall we talk about the episode? Let's. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the episode opens with Jal's Lisa Simpson fantasy. She's playing in the school band. Uh, she's the only one who's any good. Uh, yeah, the, the, rest of the, the rest of the the band,
1: the orchestra, are just absolutely terrible. She's playing um, Rhapsody in Blue. Oh, no, like are you going to do Corsair? lots of
0: music references that I don't get? Well,
1: no, it's a well-known... Well, anyway, so she's okay. doing her, her big clarinet solo... Well, <laughs> Larissa Wilson does a great job of miming along to everyone. Did you check that out? Like, and just... Actually, that's, that's not fair. I don't know, <laughs> Larissa, if you're listening. <laughs> I meant to check to see if uh, Jao actually
0: plays the clarinet, but I couldn't. Uh...
1: I, su- I somehow doubt it, yes. but the point is that Jao is a virtuoso clarinet player and the rest of
0: the orchestra is absolutely terrible. Yes, and we find out that she's a finalist in the Young Musician of the Year Awards. Um, My only kind of reference for the Young Musician of the Year, which I... Oh, oh, the the thing that I always think about around it is um, Emily Dean, who's a journalist and presents uh, Frank Skinner's radio show with Mm -hmm. him, um, will often refer to dresses as being very Young Musician of the Year (laughs) finalist. And I just... Well, we get a variety of yeah, we get a
1: variety of potential young musician of the year dresses. We do, in this we episode, do. It's a so, good theme, which we'll we'll, we'll we'll touch on later on. So, conducting the orchestra is Claire, who appears to be the music teacher at the college, and she, much like Tony's dad before her is one of the Skins adults who has never met a swear word she doesn't like.
0: Yeah, I quite like this character, though. When I rewatched it for the podcast, I was like, oh, God, who is this and why is she like this? But as, as the episode goes on, I did actually quite like her. She is quite a nice character and quite a sympathetic character. This scene also features our first glimpse of Doug, who is at this point a biology teacher, uh-huh. but he does go on a bit of a journey throughout uh, the course of the different series of Skins. Spoilers! Spoiler alert. Um, he is the only character to, to appear in all six seasons of Skins. Oh wow! Uh, not Skins, not the last kind of specials, but he appears in all six seasons of Skins. The real Skins was the Doug <laughs> we met along we the way. Met, yeah, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. So after this scene, Jal is at Michelle's. Um, and they're supposed to be shopping for a dress for Jowl's performance. There's lots of awful Tony and Michelle snogging in this scene. Yeah,
1: so Jals just kind of sitting there, absolutely gooseberry. And sitting across from her, uh, watching the TV, is Effie, mm-hmm. who is completely nonchalant to the whole thing. And Jal
0: is just not not happy that she's been dingied for, for Tony. Um, I did kind of wonder whose friend is Jowl's, because I think she's quite an unusual presence in the series and in the kind of friendship group. Yeah, the sense
1: that I get is that she sort of came into the fold of the group of friends as Michelle's friend. Yeah. They've sort of drifted apart maybe a little bit mm. personality-wise and maybe Tony has a, has had a sort of role in that Yeah, because we do see Jal and Michelle kind of later on and you can kind of tell that they, they used to be much closer than they currently are.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very teenage thing yeah. to be kind of friends with somebody and not, know, not really remember why you're friends anymore because mm. they don't seem to have that much in common. Other. Mm. and at some points they don't seem to even particularly like each other that much although there is a mutual respect i would yeah. say so as tony and michelle head upstairs for a quick shag uh gel says fuck this uh and she bumps into sid who's coming over to hang out with tony What did you think of this?
1: I like it when series sort of pair up characters when they're not necessarily the ones that you would naturally put together um, because Jal and Sid haven't really got much common ground that's been established so far. Mm. But I think this was a nice opportunity to get to know both characters a bit better and see a different side to them both.
0: Yeah, in this little scene outside the door anyway, Jal says, is that all you do, Sid? Hang out with Tony? Um, which I thought was quite interesting and perceptive, and the start of a lot of people calling Sid out in this yeah. episode.
1: Jao seems to be the most perceptive and like socially intelligent, I guess, of the of the group.
0: Yes, I would Engaged. agree with I would agree with that. I think there's lots of similarities between her and Cassie, but I think Jao is a bit more pragmatic. Mm. Um, so Jao decides that Sid is going shopping with her, so the two third wheels are going. Uh, shopping together again. I, I think it's a really nice, weird pairing. They don't have much in common, but they they do have a sort of mutual respect for each other, which I think is quite nice. Yeah, and I feel like the,
1: the kind of dynamic between them as they're wandering through the shopping centre or whatever that felt quite grounded and, and, and quite and real. realistic. Yeah, and quite
0: mature actually, yeah. in an interesting way for Skids, which I think you know is quite bombastic most of the time. They end up in a dress shop where Jal is trying on different dresses uh, and Sid's doing the kind of awkward bloke thing outside the changing room. Yeah, he's fiddling about with some thongs on a, on a rack. Yeah, wh- what is this weird <laughs> shop? Because they just had a display of thongs
1: yeah. and scarves outside the changing room. And it's kind of like, it's not quite clear whether it's like a charity shop yeah, or whether it's like... Yeah, I just wasn't is.
0: sure. I mean, it very much reads as like, this is the only shop that would let us film in here. So yeah. we've um stuck some knickers and scarves up to make it seem uh like a an actual shop so gel's having a bit of difficulty zipping up the dresses herself so she she calls in sid to the changing room Mm -hmm. um and i just think this is so i think this is so key to their dynamic like Jal just doesn't see Sid as a sexual prospect yeah. in any way. A bit of a theme for the episode, I think, Sid um, not being a sexual prospect for lots of people. But she just doesn't see him as a mm-hmm. as a going concern. Um, this is a very, very skin scene where Sid uh, gets his finger stuck in the zip of Jal's dress. Um, and we kind of cut to... People on the shop floor reacting to the, the innuendo that's going on. Oh, Skins loves a double entendre. I do love a blonde tondra. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so when Sid comes out of the changing room, he says she didn't like it. It was too small. Um, ho, <laughs> oh, oh, ho, ho. How he laughed. Um, I mean, it was quite sweet. It was a nice little scene. Um, he late- was talking about... The dress. He was talking about the dress. Later on, Jal calls Sid out for moping over Michelle. So again, she is very perceptive mm-hmm. um of kind of what's going on for her friends. What did you think of
1: that? Like one of the things with Jal is she doesn't necessarily have a, a stake in all of the dramas. Yes. Beyond beyond her relationship with Michelle. So I think she is trying to just to point Sid in the right direction.
0: Yes, I think that's very interesting, actually. Yeah. That's cool. And then Sid wants a cookie, which I could relate to. <laughs> uh-huh, so they
1: go to this this cookie
0: shop and they queue up and, and they have a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> um, just I just really like this little relationship between the two of them, actually. I think it's really, really um, sweet. They're not two characters that I would necessarily put together for an episode and mm. they just they obviously don't have much in common aside from the fact that they're both the kind of third wheel to Tony and Michelle. Yeah, and they're both in the shadow of those two yes.
1: respective characters as well. Yes. Joel seems a little bit more like she's pushing against that whereas Sid is at this point is passively accepting of that's the way things are
0: well i think Jal obviously has experience of being in other people's shadows as we'll Mm. find out later on in the episode and she doesn't particularly like it so i think Jal has got more um kind of going on of her own away from michelle whereas i don't think sid necessarily does he's a bit of a sort of nothingy boy with kind of no real prospects or any real kind of Focus apart from being mates with Tony and um, his interest in Michelle, whereas Jal's got her. Um, her clarinet. Her clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's got a lot to kind of prove, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Jal goes back home to practice playing the clarinet in her new dress, which I quite liked. It's very. Mid two thousands, that dress—it's like kind of—it's this sort of beigey
1: brown color, and it's got a sort of.
0: Well, she keeps insisting it's green. Yeah, it's a kind of brown.
1: (laughs) It's a recurring joke, isn't it? So I don't know whether it's—is it a joke? Well, it comes up a few times, doesn't it? it? So a kind of offhand reference to her being colorblind or something Uh, like—it's just a. (laughs) It was just very strange. Yeah.
0: Um. One of the things I kind of thought about in this scene, so Giles playing the clarinet in her bedroom in front of the mirror. Um, and I did kind of ask, why does Jal have a big poster of her dad in her room? Ronnie Fraser, who we'll meet a little bit later, is mm-hmm. Jal's dad and has this uh, album called Intangible. Like, this, <laughs> the design on these posters is just so, like, yeah. mid-2000s and so on point yeah. and so good. I fucking love it. Um But yeah,
1: it's a bit uh, strange to have like a giant poster for your dad's album in your bedroom. Well,
0: that's what I thought. But then I realised that every room has a giant poster of (laughs) Jal's dad in it. Um, And it it is like, I think, sort of saying he is sort of hovering over this whole family. Um, But it just it does read very strange when you're watching for the first time in a while, I guess. As Jal is practising the clarinet, uh, we hear very loud Hip hop music mm-hmm. coming from downstairs, and it turns out that Jals brothers Ace and Linton and their mate Donald are practicing their rapping and DJing, uh, and they're really not very good. They they give it they give it a good go. <laughs> their pal is kind of a similar
1: code switching joke to Posh Kenneth.
0: Well, a similar joke, but also the pal is white, yeah. so it is different. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, it's, uh, but yeah, there's a, a, a fair bit of comedy is mined out of, of this little collective.
0: Uh, I would argue in this, in this scene, slightly too much co- It goes on for... It felt like it was going on forever, this yeah. scene. Um,
1: <laughs> so in the next scene, we finally meet Giao's dad, Ronnie. Uh, again, great uh, parent casting and skins. Uh, Mark Monero... Uh, probably best known from EastEnders as, uh, as Ronnie. Oh, who uh, was he? And... Oh, I can't remember the character's name. But he's got really similar mannerisms to Jal. To Did you notice that he does the same kind of stern facial expressions yeah, that Jal really comes out with?
0: I really liked him, actually. Yeah. As a, I wish um, that we'd seen a little bit more of him in some ways, but I really like him as mm-hmm. a as a presence in this episode. In this scene... Jal's dad, Ronnie, has a meeting with a young, blonde, white girl called Alicia. Um, we later on, in a, just a real kind of brief scene, we see um, we see Ronnie remixing Alicia's single. So she's a sort of Britney-come-lately pop star. Yeah, which uh, seemed a little
1: bit an odd reference for that point in time. I
0: thought so, I thought so. Because 2007 is, is the year of Britney's yeah. meltdown, and it just didn't quite feel... It didn't feel current, this little... Yeah. I mean, she she's singing uh, about pouring sweet cream over her strawberries um, in a very sort of Britney voice, I think. Mm-hmm. And it just feels a bit like... Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit, <laughs> a, there's yeah. a bit of
1: vocal fry from Alicia. Yes.
0: That's... I wasn't really sure what that was all about, but anyway... Um,
1: um, so Jao uh, had come downstairs to sort of complain to her dad that the brothers were making too much noise so she couldn't practice a clarinet so that's how she, she meets Alicia and prickles when she sort of sees uh, Alicia and her, and her dad together yeah
0: her dad does accuse her of playing rooty-tooty music oh it sets up this quite interesting dynamic
1: yeah I think it strikes me that Jao is the clarinet is a real passion for her and yes. it's something she really wants to do and there's never a sense that there's any particular pressure from any angle mm towards Jao to do well, which is quite a common trope for media that deals with like, young musicians and mm. young kind of performers, is that they're, you know, they've got a stage parent waiting in the wings somewhere, just pushing them along. But Jow, this really does seem to be a, a passion for Jao, despite her dad's reluctance.
0: Mm. It's quite an interesting one. I think um, Jao's dad's mates are in this scene, his ex band mates, it seems, and they say that she looks more and more like her mum every day. Mm. Uh, So what has happened to Jal's mum? I don't know if we ever get a conclusive answer on that, actually. So the next morning, it's breakfast, and Jal's brothers are talking in patois around Alicia, this kind of white girl pop star that her dad is working with and obviously sleeping with. Yeah, Um, and the
1: brothers are kind of taking the piss out of her a bit. And and Jal sort of raises her eyebrow and she's quite amused by it and she kind of joins in.
0: Yeah, I I really like this actually. I like this kind of united front of yeah. Jal and her brothers. I like the relationship they have because like they o- they obviously get on her nerves, but there's a like sweetness between the way they all relate to each other. I really yeah. like this kind of family dynamic. And her brothers are kind of the comic relief up until this point, and then uh, one of them kind of shouts, "She's sitting in my mother's seat." Um, about alicia about alicia i think kind of what i thought about this little bit is that later on in the episode jal says that everyone's moved on except her dad and that Mm. seems to be the storyline but that doesn't seem to be the case if that's if, if they're getting annoyed seeing somebody else yeah so later on at college uh jal is practicing clarinet with claire her music teacher uh, and Doug turns up to tell her that the director of the college wants to see her. And as Jal heads off to see the director of the college, Doug just says, I love you to Claire, um, which Aww. I really, really like. I just really like Doug as this kind of odd character that's sort mm-hmm. of in the background having having his own little storyline going on throughout Maybe the whole series. <laughs> yeah, well, you you do get the feeling between him and,
1: and Claire and then Angie and the sports science teacher, there's maybe a parallel universe where there's a, you know, the, uh, sort the, of the staff of Roundview yeah. College <laughs> spin uh, off spin-off where they're all having their own little dramas. <laughs> um, but yeah, Doug's out of the blue declaration of love for claire mm. um and we see how that goes but then we, we follow jow through to the the director or the principal or whatever our job yeah, title is of the, of the, of the college. college yeah where as cassie was patronized by most of the adults in the previous episode once again jow is is being
0: talked down to by the adults mm-hmm so the director says that she is proud the college has produced such a talented pupil, and to give Jello due as well, she does say that Claire, you know, it was mostly Claire. Yeah. It was, you know, Claire's had a big role in in her uh, her life, and I really like that actually because yeah. I think sometimes I can remember Skins as being like lots of adults, lots of sort of buffoonish adult characters. But they do kind of keep coming back to adults that are doing good things in these kids' life and sort of having a real impact on them, which I like. So the director of the college says that Jal's going to be interviewed by a few different shows on TV. Including Channel 4. They're they're ironic. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Um, And she kind of talks about Jal being a girl of your background and talks about her handicaps. It's just
1: awful. Yeah, there's another bit as well where the director suggests that she's expecting Jal to lose. Yeah. she's not expecting Jal to actually win. Well,
0: she gives her a checklist of things to think when you lose, um, which is awful. I think it's kind of indicative of the way that people are thinking about Jal as this young black woman Mm -hmm. um, who's into classical music. I mean, Jal is from... Is, is the most affluent of all of yeah. the, the Skins characters, arguably. Um, and she's from a very musical family. Well, some of them less musical than others, <laughs> uh, based on her brother's performance. But, you know, her dad's a musician. Is never said in the episode, and I don't know if it's ever said anywhere else. But I I always get the sense that the clarinet or, like, classical music was something to do with her mum. That's an interesting i think i'm just bringing that to it myself i don't know if i i've kind of got a false memory of that as well now that you've said it so yeah yeah so we later see Jal on the news she's credited as uh an ethnic clarinetist which is just oh it's just awful but also very like that's what that's what this story is like you know the news story is and it's really bad like it's really poor um,
1: so Jael's kind of giving one more answers to all the questions that she's been asked. She's
0: so yeah. good here. Like when you're, wa- when I was watching her, like that thing on the news. She's just so funny. Like it's so good. And there's, uh, I'll talk about this later probably, but there's just something about this performance that I really like. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the episode as a whole
1: feels like it's a more grounded episode than, yes. the, than the than the previous two. I think that there's.
0: I would argue that Jiao is a much more grounded character. Yeah. Though she she exists in in a real world yeah. whereas I mean arguably actually Jal li- exists in in a not real world and that's what makes her character yeah. more real like she you know, her dad's famous and he's a musician and he owns a club it's like quite aspirational like it's it's not it's not a life that lots of people live so maybe that's why her character has to be more grounded so that
1: and again larissa wilson's performance is this real nice balance of humor and pathos and grit as well yes and i think that's one of the things that makes this episode feel like this is the skin's getting
0: a, a handle on itself. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. So Michelle and Jal are watching Jal's interview on the news. Michelle thinks Jal is sulky. And I, I mean, I do think there's something, you know, I, I she's not an angry black woman. I don't think that's what mm-hmm. this character is but i do think there's something about jowl that's she's quite closed off and you can kind of see why as you get yeah. into her backstory she's i think sort of lashing out at people and putting them in their place quite quickly yes she doesn't want them to make assumptions about her uh-huh. but she's also doing so accurately like yes she, she reads people well so in this scene Michelle says, you play clarinet and I look shaggable. Okay, Michelle. (laughs) I was very excited because I thought we were going to get a makeover montage here, but we don't. But But we do. It's an extended wardrobe moment. It is. I mean, in this scene, Michelle's looking at the dress that Jal picked, this brown dress that Jal thinks is green um and slagging it off a bit and throws it across the room yes Uh, and apparently it only cost 14 pound which even in 2007 money i was about to say not what somebody with Jal's kind of access to money should be buying but there is a sense also that like Jal just wouldn't ask her dad for money for this because the young musician of the year and playing the clarinet and stuff is her thing and like her dad obviously disapproves of it, but I think it's like she doesn't want him to have anything to do with that. Yeah,
1: and she was obviously struggling picking a dress in the scene with Sid where mm. she was trying on loads of different dresses and this was the one that she seemed happy with. We saw her wearing it earlier on as well. Mm. And Michelle just completely dismisses it yes. and says,
0: nope. I did kind of wonder whether like, if they know who Michelle is yet. Because I think her character is much more fully formed later on. We get a much better sense of who Michelle is later on. But don't want to spoil too much uh yeah you
1: get the kind of sense that michelle is perhaps a bit of a false lead like that you are supposed to have this particular interpretation yes. of her as a shallow hot girl um yeah. but because even at this point we know skins and we know that we saw that the layers of cassie for instance and we're seeing the layers of Jale and of tony we know that there's going to be a little bit more under the surface there yes
0: so I, I did want to kind of talk about, because of this scene, um, so Michelle opens up her cupboard and mm-hmm. is looking for a dress for Jow. And I did want to talk about the fashion in Skins. Because the thing I think about Michelle is I think she's very realistic as like the hot girl in college. The kind of um, clothes
1: that she would wear. And mm-hmm. You could kind of tell which high street stores like she would have got. Yes, Most it's very achievable yeah. this
0: look and I think that's something that Skins really gets right. You can tell that these these clothes were bought on the high street like Topshop and um New Look and stuff like that. 2007 feels like the sort of starting point for that fast fashion thing as well. Like yeah. these feel like things Michelle's put on once and then shoved in the cupboard. I, I really like this little scene actually for yeah. all it's it feels like just a silly sort of throwaway scene but I think we're getting a lot of information about who
1: these two girls are Uh, after the scene we cut to an ad break and then we're at the club
0: we are, we're at the club. We're,
1: well, we're outside we're the club. We're trying to get into the club. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris has brought along uh, a particularly unconvincing fake ID. Mm-hmm. And this is just so skins, this scene. Yeah, so the bouncer is ob- obviously knows that they're at it and tells them to bolt. And then Tony comes up with some bizarre story about his pal from Hades coming and uh, he's really into voodoo shit.
0: And then... The bouncer produces... A snake and a voodoo doll, as one does. As one does, it just feels very like like this is the things that I sort of forget about. Skins it exists in a heightened universe, uh-huh. and at some points it kind of exists in an almost magical realist universe. Yeah. like there's just something I just love it. I think it's real. Like. <laughs> why? Why does that happen? They're all sitting and drinking in this next mm-hmm. bit. Notice that Chris is smoking in this scene, and seeing people smoke indoors yeah. in the UK feels really weird now. Like to me, anyway. Um, like I can really remember going out when you could smoke in clubs and pubs and bars and stuff like that, and like the next day, you know, if you went out and you wore your jacket, you'd have to wash your jacket the next day, yeah. like because it would be stinking of smoke. Yeah, washing
1: um, the smoking ban uh happened earlier in Scotland where we Oh are, yes I um, forgot about as that as well. So uh so yeah, so oh. there was that strange kinda time where
0: you could s- smoke in England but you couldn't smoke in Scotland.
1: You could smoke in England but you couldn't smoke in Scotland but when you would go into clubs, like instead of just smelling smoke faintly everywhere, you would get like BO and Lynx Africa like Yeah, that. it just uh,
0: smelled like, you know, whatever the smoke had been hiding <laughs> for about fifty years um yeah anyway i just thought that was quite a little weird thing a weird little anachronism mm-hmm. now watching it back um we do get another reminder in this scene as they're all kind of sitting around drinking and having a laugh uh that maxi is gay and anwar is a muslim uh, we are never ever allowed to forget these two facts about these two characters <laughs> um and maxi in this scene is wearing an awful hat a signature flat cap from maxi yes yes it's a
1: very will young moment i think yeah so, so jal in this scene is post michelle makeover and mm. she's got curls like michelle's and kind of similar makeup and, oh i can't, i
0: hadn't uh, picked up that she had curls like michelle but yeah she
1: she's wearing a really low-cut dress
0: and the is like ogling her Even Maxie. Even Maxie. Who, as we know, is gay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris wants to touch Giles' boobs in this scene, which I think might be foreshadowing something. Watch this space. Or might just be that Chris is a bit of a pervert, as we've established in, in every episode so far. And as people are kind of getting into the night, Sid is left on his own with Michelle while Tony's talking to Abigail, who is here for some reason? (laughs) And in this little scene with Sid and Michelle, Michelle says that she knows Sid fancies her. But how does she feel?
1: She does not feel the same way and she loves him. (gasps) Like a brother.
0: Oh, poor Sid. It's really sweet. I love this thing about uh, like a Welsh brother and sister. Yeah, this was this was a gag that made me actually snort out loud. We had some we had some nice Welsh
1: representation from Dargo earlier on, (laughs) Um, but Sid just goes, "Oh, we're like a." We could be like a Welsh brother and sister <laughs>
0: uh, in the barnyard. <laughs> it's, like, it's all very sweet. Um, we do keep getting kind of jump cuts to these weird fantasies of Sid's. He has this uh, problematic, but sort of in life where he has these fantasies about him and Michelle. Yeah, yeah, because he shares one with Jal earlier
1: on in the cookie yeah. scene, doesn't he? And Jal's kind of nonplussed about it, but it is a bit weird that sid goes into such depth about such this step yeah this for someone who fantasy.
0: is clearly quite shy and kind of introverted and mm. and doesn't really i don't think know who he is he just really knows that he fancies michelle and then cassie turns up and she's bought sid a pint but he basically ignores her oh it's very very sad Um, I have to say that Cassie in this scene is my outfit of the week. She's wearing a black dress and just this very kind of old Hollywood hair, like Uh blonde hair all kind of twirled up. Um, But she's got this little silver brooch at the clasp of her dress. It's got an eye on it. Uh, And I did question whether Cassie was in the Illuminati at this point. Well, maybe she is because (laughs) she's Cassie has been the outfit of the
1: week for three concurrent no, no. episodes she
0: wasn't was she last oh she her has. gold dress her other gold she's dress she my uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe yeah let's make make sure somebody else gets a turn in the limelight next week yeah so Sid just kind of rejects her outright and or oh, he doesn't reject her he just just like he doesn't even notice she's there hmm um he's so focused on Michelle and this this crush he has on Michelle. Especially post pity kiss so is not in a post- in a good state kiss. state of mind. We've all been there. Have so- we? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so Giles brothers perform at the club. Um they're characteristically terrible. Not this good. was when I felt like we're just getting so much of this these boys that can't rap rapping and it's so for me it outstayed its welcome at this point it I, I did outstay say it's welcome but i think like the guys are funny so they get booted off the stage essentially uh and the crowd want ronnie Jal's dad to perform to perform but he won't and i do wonder why i mean he's promoting an album that he's got a poster in everybody's bloody room for um so why doesn't he want to <laughs> fair enough it's he's not on a working night tonight ronnie's he's-, he's not I mean, I think the implication, and we find out later on, I think the implication is that he's not performing or making music since Jowl's mum has gone. I did kind of wonder as well, like, what is this bar? Yeah, there's a
1: scene earlier on where Jow she meets Alicia in the kitchen and she kind of comes downstairs and you see the entrance to the bar after Mm. she comes downstairs and she speaks to a guy, I think he's called Javon,
0: that works uh, at the bar. Like, they live upstairs. Yeah and they've got, like, a studio in the house and the rehearsal space, it just feels like... Jal's family owns half of Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> and it sort of is a bit too clean and yeah. I'm not quite sure.
1: So anyway, so a DJ puts some tunes on and then they all start dancing madly. So you've got Chris, Anwar, Maxie and Michelle all kind of dancing away. So Michelle's distracted, so she doesn't see that
0: Tony and Abigail are kissing. <gasps> and necking on <laughs> <laughs> um, have you picked that up from me Like, do you say necking on no at the end of the night Sid and Jal are the only ones left uh, again I just think they're so sweet together uh, and a man from the bar
1: oh an important thing to note as well is that Jal sees Tony and Abigail
0: oh Kettin. I didn't realise yeah. so th- okay
1: J- so J- she doesn't like react she's to deceptive. it but she knows but what's going on she knows what's happening Um, So this guy had complimented Jal earlier on.
0: Uh, And he tries to kind of pick Jal up, I guess, and wants to take her to a club. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jal agrees to go if she can take Sid with her.
1: Which, again, that's a nice sort of touch. It kind of shows this closer relationship than previously, like closer friendship with Sid.
0: Yeah, I think they go on a real kind of moment together, Jal and Sid, in this episode. I really like it. Um, So the guy starts leading them down an alley... Uh, and who comes out from behind the bins? It does, do they have a PhD? It is Mad Twatter in a spectacular tracksuit, I think. I did wonder whether this was like his evening tracksuit. He wore it it's especially a for bit, the occasion. Yeah. It's a little bit more heightened than his usual tracksuits. And for like a, a comedy character, I think there is like a genuine sense of menace in this scene, mm. um, like a
1: real threat. Tonally, it feels a bit more serious this time. It mm. feels like there is a kind of more palpable threat to uh, to, to Jal and Sid here, um, especially because we find out that the, the the guy that was sort of persuading them to go to the club is one of Mad Twatter's
0: lackeys, and he grabs Jal. Uh, it just, that yeah. felt like, oh, I don't like to see this. Yeah. Like, it felt a genuine threat. So Mad Twatter takes Sid's credit card, uh, and he's going to get his money back mm-hmm. for for the the drugs that Sid wasn't able to sell or return. Mm-hmm. And then he is rifling round in Jal's bag and pulls out her clarinet. He plays a little riff on it. Uh, who knows? Maybe Mad Swatter was a previous young
1: musician of the he year. He may have
0: been. He may have been. It just this that bit where he takes the clarinet out and plays a little riff. It just makes him seem even more unhinged yeah and, yeah there's something very weird about it and funny
1: and in the scene as well is spitting all over the place did you notice that like he's like literally saliva's flying yes. out of his face yeah
0: so he smashes the <gasps> clarinet up against the wall um he just needs people to know what he's capable of doing oh he's a bad uh, bun. he's a badian uh and it's genuinely heartbreaking i just wrote in my notes i hate this like it's so horrible um, and there's like her performance here is so good yeah
1: so um so mad twatter and the goon who i think is called william um they take off and jowls kind of screaming down the road at them jowls uh brothers come to the rescue
0: and they start beating up sid <gasps> um, poor sid he gets
1: thrown in a
0: heap of a trash bags <laughs> yeah <laughs> so jowl sends them after mad twatter the the brothers, I think, are so sweet. Like, I really like yeah. Jowl's brothers. For me, this sense of, like, this sort of theme of brothers and mm-hmm. families in Skins and, like, siblings looking out for each other, um, which I just really liked. Um, particularly when Jowl's dad hasn't been very supportive of her yeah. throughout the episode. You get the sense that these three siblings have had to become really close. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so Jowl kind of
1: tends to Sid... Who's got a bloody nose and is lying there? But uh, what's going to happen? She's no clarinet, and She's it's young no musician clarinet. of the year is, is coming up around the corner.
0: So she calls her teacher, Claire. Um, Claire takes a call from Jal from home on her own personal phone which is not very Uh, gdpr friendly Um, Um, and especially because she takes the call while she is receiving oral sex from doug yeah she's on the job (laughs) (laughs) um, it just seems a bit weird uh, yeah but it is a very very skins uh scene following that we go to the hospital. With Ace Linton and Donald, so Jowls brothers and their mate, and we find out that Mad Twatter wasted the brothers with sticks. With sticks. Um, and they all want a kiss from
1: Michelle. Yeah, they're all in different stookies and kind of different positions. All but Michelle. Yeah, Michelle's come along to the hospital as well to accompany Zhao
0: That bit at the end where Michelle does give one of them a kiss and the like heart rate monitor starts beeping faster is just very skins. Like that whole thing is very skins. Mm. Probably very problematic, but also quite funny and sort of weirdly sweet in its way. So then we get Zhao back at home. And she's sitting in her dad's studio mm-hmm. and he comes in sort of unbeknownst uh, he doesn't realize she's there, I guess um, and I just there's a real nice shot in this little bit, like it's really nicely set up with um her dad in the studio in front of the microphone, uh, and then there's the kind of glass yeah. and jowl is like reflected in the glass. It's just really nice and kind of well set up. Uh, and then Ronnie starts rapping and he's kind of rapping about his family and mm-hmm. sort of looking out for his family. So you know you get this thing of like Ronnie does actually care about them uh-huh.
1: uh, but it just so happens that there is a divide between them. Just a like a literal the, divide Just like them. the studio
0: window. I think Skins is deeper than we get to give it credit for sometimes. And then once he notices that Zhao is there, he kind of calls her out she shouts, don't you talk to me through glass? With that line as well, there's something about the
1: specificity of it. Like, don't you talk to me through glass? Like, and the fact that they're in this studio setup, And like you said, it's not something that's necessarily the most relatable
0: mm. situation for, for a majority of viewers. But I mean, who can't relate to like shouting at their parents <laughs> as well, well when they're a 17 year old? I think it kind of comes to a head here where Jal says, it's not my fault I look like her. Um, so it's not her fault she looks like her mum.
1: By Jao mentioning it, by Jao acknowledging it, mm. that's it laid to rest for the episode. Like it it, yes. it, it it that's it done and nothing really more needs to be said. And I wonder if that is something that Jal hasn't really
0: acknowledged before. Yeah. Maybe and, it's always been bubbling under for yeah. these characters and, and that's it put to bed now. Mm. I mean, you do get this real sense from Ronnie that he just doesn't know how to show his love, or that he is proud of her, and yeah. um, even though he, he obviously is,
1: yeah, and whether that's maybe that's at odds with his kind of public persona, yeah, but we see the fact that he does in fact care for for Jal, and he knows how important the young musician of the year and playing the clarinet is to her, because he says, "Go to your room," and she go or and go, clean your go, room, and go and so clean, clean t- your room, and. What's in the room? A clarinet. He's bought her a brand new clarinet.
0: Um, I got actually genuinely choked up at this scene. Like I, I got genuinely moved by watching her put it together and just like, oh, like yeah. he does love her, and they they just have this unspoken division between the two of them, and it's like, but he does care. It's like very sweet. I did really like this mm-hmm. scene. Um, I just think like Jao like that performance there is like this real sadness to her. But what about what about Mad Twatter? Are they gonna get away with it? They're those certainly villains. Not. They're certainly not. So Jal's dad and his mates go and find Mad Twatter and put him in the back of the car. Uh, presumably never to be seen from again. We shall watch this space. watch this space. So following that we get Jal's performance at Young Musician of the Year, our last scene in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jal takes a deep breath and goes to play her clarinet and, and cut cut. Um, same trick as last episode with Cassie oh, yeah. Herbergo I, I hadn't thought about that so will she win young musician of the year well
1: if her performance of Rhapsody in Blue at the beginning was anything to go by <laughs> I think she's in for a good shout <laughs> good luck Jow. Uh did you like this episode I did like this episode um, as I said earlier on this felt like a sort of stabilising episode for Skins. It did, it did. It felt like it was Skins getting comfortable with what it is. Yes. The stupid humour seemed to be toned down a little bit and the more soapy aspects of it were
0: more realistic and more... They just feel like folded in a bit better, yeah. actually. Like all the sort of Tony and Michelle, Tony and Sid, Sid and Michelle, Sid and Cassie stuff... Uh-huh feels folded in better and it feels actually I think because it's Jal who is outside of all of that it feels a bit more like it's less of the focus and you just get this real kind of story about
1: this girl whereas with Cassie's episode that was more directly about her inner life and her way of kind of going through the world this was a lot more about relationships yes, like and different types of relationships yes, um, and how you can have unexpected friendships develop. How you can sort of drift away from some friends. How your family can sometimes have ex- unexpected angles. So I think there's there's quite a lot in this episode, and I, I think that it's handled a bit more deftly maybe than in the other episodes. But it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have like the high highs of the dreamy sequences in the Cassie episode. But overall, I feel like they kind of quality of this episode is is a lot more consistent, consistent and, and solid
0: yeah i really like this episode i like this episode a lot more than i remembered actually kind of going back to it it's i mean i, th- I said this before like jowl i think because she is so pragmatic and she's not um you know she hasn't got a catchphrase like any mm-hmm. like some of the other characters and she's not one of the kind of sort of bigger characters, I think it can be easy to forget about her. And mm. I'd kind of, there was a lot of this episode that I just didn't remember from having seen it a few times in the past, but I really liked revisiting it and I really liked remembering how much I like this character. Yeah. Um, I think I remember Jowl's series two episode a lot more kind of embedded in Skins' is ongoing stories, um, whereas this just feels like, we're getting to know this character it's a real kind of character study Um, I don't always love um, things about fame and like her dad being famous and that sort of thing I do sometimes kind of go like who's this for and who can relate to this but I, I I, I liked it actually. I
1: get. I think that's one of my favorite aspects of the episode. The way that is like part of the situation. Yeah. But it's not the focus. It subverts a lot of stuff about you know the usual storylines that you get about either being pushed hard, pushed too hard by their parents yeah. or their, their their parents like actively rooting against them. Whereas this was neither of those things it felt more complex and it felt more nuanced nuanced yeah so yes yeah, so i was impressed by this episode yeah big thumbs up for old
0: jow Um. (laughs) i don't know know who's that (laughs) anyway um so next week we have chris um where can people find us on the world wide web if they would like to comment on this episode or tell us their favorite jowl moment or their own personal outfit of the week
1: well you are most welcome to tweet at reskinned pod Um, or drop us an email, uh, we're reskinnedpod at gmail.com. Correct. Do I
0: win young podcaster of the year? Uh, Probably not just yet. (laughs) (laughs) So we shall, and not particularly young either, but uh, we shall see you in a week's time uh, with Chris. Take care. Bye.
1: Bye. I hear you guys are musicians too. (sighs) What's she spitting? Raspberry that's bait. She ain't even that buff.
0: Cool. And,
1: um, Zhao, I thought maybe I could use your flute on one of my tracks.
0: Where are you going, sister? I ain't no chung. You get me, blood. Ah, I... ah! Watch your lip. You too. They're just messing with your sweetness.
1: All right, well, let's kick in then.
0: you got places to go